0: This in your ear the number 1 the number 1 internet shock radio network no. shock me shock me shock me with that deviant behavior
1: renegade renegade talk radio
2: the dark cabal hurting us like sheep is only able to maintain its power by staying invisible the most effective way of maintaining invisibility is and always has been the art of dividing the masses. This psychological operation known as divide and conquer has been deployed for all of recorded history because it works, especially with organized religion, which is ruled by dogma rather than a personal relationship with God. Dogma is a belief doctrine dictated by a church. And if you were born into a dogmatic family, then you are raised to believe their dogma, As a result, you will see all conflicting religious dogma as evil. You will be divided and conquered. The main religions used to divide and conquer mankind are the three Abrahamic religions. Judaic dogma teaches the Jew that they are a member of the chosen race destined to rule over everyone else as a teacher of God's law. Islamic dogma teaches that all of mankind must somehow submit to Islam. And while there are reportedly 40,000 different denominations of Christianity, most Christian dogma teaches that Christians will live in paradise for eternity while everyone else burns in hell. Many people raised in these religions have been able to personally connect with God and liberate themselves from the of dogma. But many others are stuck in group mind think. They conflate Holy Scripture and a priest class with God. And put their faith in a doctrine written by man. It has become the most powerful form of mind control, and so whoever controls the Holy Land controls the world. In Revelation 2.9 of the King James Bible, it warns of the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. We are beginning to see this today with the Zionists who say they are Jews and are not, With the help of the United Nations, the British Crown, the Vatican, the Nazis, and the Rothschild banking dynasty, the land formerly known as Palestine was conquered with bloodshed, lies, and bureaucracy. The Zionists, who claimed to be secular, declared the land to be Israel, home of the Jews, and successfully thrust the once thriving Middle East back into the Middle Ages. The relatively peaceful region was soon transformed into an unending war zone. Decades of U.S. war crimes radicalized many of the Muslim population into becoming terrorists. The creation of the State of Israel in 1948 would have never been successful if it were not for the Jewish Holocaust. Even though the Palestinians had nothing to do with it, the Holocaust was effectively used as an emotional excuse for what would otherwise be an illegal land grab. And while few deny that Hitler was murdering Jews, many have pointed out that six million would have been logistically impossible. So why the number six million? For several decades preceding World War II, the Zionists repeated the mantra six million, referring to the death of six million Jews. A six followed by six zeros can also be read as 66, which can be read as two thirds. Certain radical sects of Judaism and Christianity believe that two-thirds of the Jews must perish. It appears as if the Zionists created Israel as a sacrificial altar to make this happen, repeating the lesser magic mantra of what they want to make manifest. Today we are seeing Zionists begging for genocide, calling out to kill them all, and gaslighting us into thinking there never was a Palestine, while saying we should flatten it and turn it into glass. We are seeing Christian pastors cheer for mass murder, pastors saying that Israel should make the Gaza Strip a parking lot, and several evangelical pastors who speak as if Christ will only return if we provide him the blood sacrifice taught in their extreme dogma. As Israel pushes forward, radicalized young Muslim men who have had their homes destroyed by American bombs are now spread throughout Western nations. The stage is set for the holy war, and many are willing to murder in the name of their dogmatic beliefs. Extremists of all three religions are being used by the hidden hand to foment this war, while the Catholic Church has been making preparations for a one-world religion solution. Divided, we will be conquered. But united, we could learn to live as one, in peace. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese.
1: The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at fan.video.
3: Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. An honor and a pleasure to be with you as always. Harrison will be hosting The War Room this afternoon. Of course, we have the great Alex Jones in studio. Great job this week. He's been on fire lately, Alex. Quote, Dick Cheney in three-inch heels. Vivek takes no prisoners during the GOP debate. Savage is Haley DeSantis and NBC moderators. I didn't watch the entire debate last night. In fact, I only watched clips of the debate because I don't watch Model UN competitions. However, watching what I saw of Vivek in the clips and the highlights that I saw it was like watching a man compete in a woman's swim meet. It was seriously brutal how much more prepared he was. And the thing that was so funny to me about this debate is just looking at it, just looking at the aesthetic of it, it's as if it's like a boomer class reunion. I mean, sometimes when I watch these things, I realized that legacy media, that the mainstream media platforms are hanging on as tightly as they can to a better time. The days of cable news, when there were just a few networks to choose from in order to get your information, when we didn't have things like the internet as populated as they are today, and we trusted this superficial professionalism that these networks displayed And so we get all these people together to do a debate, despite the fact that you can literally scour through everything each of these candidates has ever voted on, everything each of these candidates has ever said, every position they've ever had, every tweet they've ever tweeted. There's no need for a debate in order to inform the American people. And I know there's a class of people, there's a demographic of people in the United States who isn't active on the internet. I know that we have to appeal to... Those who are in retirement, those who are definitely going to vote, but perhaps in nursing homes and not using the Internet extensively. My grandmothers, neither of them ever used the Internet. They both died in the last five years or so. So I understand you have to do something in order to reach these people. But these debates, to me, seem so silly. They're so irrelevant that they can't even get the leading candidate to want to spend his time on stage. And it's like this; these networks are just hanging on, wishing that it was the case that cable television mattered. And it really just occurs to me that we have to stop referring to the mainstream media as mainstream. It's not mainstream anymore. Platforms like Infowars are mainstream. Joe Rogan's mainstream. He gets an estimated 11 million views on each episode. That's like 3% of the population. It's absolutely insane the amount of reach that individual influencers have. Compared to these networks, which used to be the only way to get FaceTime with the American people. In October, my Twitter account had impressions on 45 million accounts. And I don't know what CNN's impressions are, but it just goes to show what an individual can do with these social media platforms. And it's the reason that they've come after him so hard and tried to censor them as much as possible because they are totally terrified they being the leftists the globalists the major media outlets they're terrified at the notion that suddenly everyone is now a competitor they no longer have a monopoly over information they did pretty much until musk bought twitter and made it x say what you will about him and now that there's a small leak in the great ship of the deep state they're sinking because after all all it takes to sink a great ship is a small leak So it's going to be interesting to see what comes of this next, next election cycle because it seems to me that no matter who wins in the fall, it's going to be an incredibly provocative outcome. If Trump doesn't win, I think things are going to get rowdy in terms of the right wing. If Biden win, doesn't win, I think the left is going to go insane, although I don't even think he's going to be the candidate. And so now is a better time than ever to prepare mentally, physically, Terms of the resources you have for what is to come, because now that this control over information has been lost by the deep state, they're going to start acting desperate, just like the mainstream media began to act desperate. As viewership decreased over time, as things became more and more desperate for these networks, we saw that their reporting became more and more erratic. They were less and less accurate. They were making more and more baseless claims. Things like Hunter Biden's laptop being Russian disinformation, totally made up. Things like weapons of mass destruction being a justifiable reason for invading Iraq, being totally made up. Every single headline is an alarmist headline. And it's because they don't really do investigative journalism. They don't look at the facts. They have a top-down structure in which... They perpetuate whatever they are pushed to by the different powers that be in the different special interests in place. In what some have called the greatest opening statement ever, GOP presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy unleashed hell at the start of the third primary debate. Zero shits were given and no punches were pulled as the tech mogul began his opening statement by inviting Republican National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel to resign on stage in the aftermath of the disastrous Tuesday night election results. Quote, there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I'm upset about what happened last night, he said. We've become a party of losers, he continued adding. There is a cancer in the Republican establishment. Since Veronica McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we've lost 2018, 2020, 2022. No red wave. It never came. He's absolutely right. I was doing some research the summer before this last summer, and I was looking at the DNC websites and the RNC websites, and I went to the recruiting page, the hiring page. And I was appalled to discover that the Democrats were hiring Such an impressive number of people for such an impressive number of roles. And then when I went to the Republican website, all they were doing was putting applications on a wait list for interns. The Democrats were hiring community organizers, voter outreach volunteers, social media managers tech people. I mean, everything you could imagine that a Fortune 500 company or a startup that just got funded millions upon millions of dollars would hire, the Democrats were hiring. They were hustling. They were treating it like a startup business, like a shark after blood, while the Republicans were just sort of sitting on their hands under the leadership, for lack of a better word, of Rana. And so, I know Harmeet ran. I wish that she would have won. I know that People have different feelings about it. What I don't understand is why is it which why is it that the the party would elect a leader who has proven time and time again that she can't win, that the party would be in shambles. I guess the best thing about this is that her leadership has brought the Republican Party finally to a place where the people have to take it back. And while the likes of Joe Biden call us MAGA Republicans, as if it's some sort of a slur, right-wing extremists, domestic terrorists, while they imprison us, while they silence us, while they tax us, while they harass us, and while they slander us, we're taking the party back. And I know we've got this new speaker in the house, and I know that he's going to fund Israel like we funded Ukraine. And it's not perfect. But the fact that we got the likes of McCarthy out with his Ukraine lapel pin, a travesty that anyone in our sacred house would ever wear any flag or sport or promote any flag other than the flag of the United States of America, while we have gotten him out, it shows every Republican in office, every establishment Republican, that there is enough pressure to compensate for the momentum that is their swampiness. And I don't know what's going to happen in 2024, but I can tell you what, 2028 is going to be a hell of a year. It could be that we never have a Republican in office ever again. But I tell you what, we can't handle many more cycles of a Democrat in the White House, given that the executive branch has attained so much power, it's virtually a dictatorship, that leadership in this country is done not by legislation, but by litigation. Stick with us, folks. We'll be back after this break. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com.
1: Finally, Vitamin Mineral Fusion is back in stock and now available for 25% off at InfoWarsStore.com. This specially formulated drink mix gives your body the essential vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and other beneficial compounds that support optimum health. Vitamin Mineral Fusion goes above and beyond the standard of vitamins and trace minerals. Our exclusive formula is loaded with 34 key ingredients, including vitamin C, E, D, B12, calcium, magnesium, zinc, selenium, L-glutamine, CoQ10, alpha-lipoic acid, folic acid riboflavin, and much more. Aside from bolstering your bodily functions, this drink mix is naturally delicious. And unlike capsules and vitamin pills, it's truly a pleasure to the taste buds. So if you haven't already, mix it up and take your health out to the next level with vitamin mineral fusion today. Now 25% off at InfoWarsStore.com.
4: Please uh, remember, we are listener supported, and we've got something back in stock that everybody needs that is so good to have in your medicine cabinet. Supports the broadcast. We've got the best 30 parts per million colloidal silver out there. It's Silver Bullet. It's at InfoWarsStore.com and if you want to support the show plus have something in your medicine cabinet have to give to others it's topical you can also take it orally uh, it is it really does a lot of amazing things anti infection you name it nothing's a silver bullet but it's as close to a silver bullet as you're going to get silver bullet back in stock discounted infowarstore.com and we also have brainforce ultra the incredible fast acting nootropic, back in stock 60% off part of the big sale the new sale we've got Immune support, organic, green fibers, 50% off. Those are both incredible. Vitamin D3 gummies, amazing. Infowarsstore.com or triple 253 3139
1: triple 253 3139 You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
3: Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geiser, your host today. We're going to be covering the news the first couple of hours. We're going to be taking calls to this show today. No guests today, but great ones in the works. I'm trying to line up a couple of congressmen, some of whom have voted for the new speaker, to talk about that. YouTuber Mr. Beast is accused of racism after he builds 100 wells across Africa, providing clean water to citizens. Mr. Beast was accused of racism and white privilege by left-wing critics after a stunt in which he dug 100 water wells in African villages. The stunt involved Mr. Beast, a.k.a. Jimmy Donaldson, the most subscribed-to YouTuber, using well drills to provide water to 500,000 citizens in desperate African towns. He also built a bridge, gave out bikes to kids, and installed water towers, pipes, and spigots so residents and schoolchildren could readily access clean, safe drinking water. Quote, I know it's weird that a YouTuber has to do all this stuff, but someone's got to do it, and if no one else is, we're going to do it, according to Mr. Beast. But he was met with comments like, the internet definitely made the right person famous, and Jimmy doing more than the UN, which of course is embarrassing for the establishment. But people are criticizing him for things like white privilege, and I don't know if you're familiar with who Mr. Beast is. You likely are, given that he's one of the most, he is the most subscribed to, but he's one of the most famous just in general of all YouTubers. He started making YouTube videos years ago, and they were very basic, just sort of from his bedroom, and he gradually grew his channel to the point where he spends millions upon millions of dollars on the content. He does crazy things like put a group of 100 people in a gymnasium, draw a giant circle on the floor, put everyone in the circle and then say whoever is the last one in the circle gets a Lamborghini and then just films them for days (laughs) to see how it plays out to see who gives up and the one who doesn't give up is the one who wins the Lamborghini. And so by doing crazy things like that, he's amassed millions upon millions of views, billions upon billions of views and it's generated a bunch of ad revenue for him on YouTube because the more views you get on YouTube, the more YouTube pays you for the amount of people that see the ads with your videos. And that's how he's become famous. So every time he does a video, he does something crazy. One time he flew somebody all the way to Paris just to get him a baguette. Paid him like 500 bucks and the the guy did it. And it was just, they they filmed the guy going to Paris just just to pick up a baguette and come back. And it was hilarious. Or he'll give out iPhones randomly. He does crazy expensive videos because every time he gets ad revenue from these pieces of content, he reinvests it in making better content. And so one of his stunts recently was to do something good that would go viral, and that was to build 100 wells in Africa. And I have no problem with people doing charity, with personal charity. I'd much rather see the likes of Mr. Beast helping people in Africa, or any country for that matter, than the UN do it, or than the federal government do it. Because every time the federal government does something that it calls aid What it's actually doing is skimming the money, laundering it back to itself, paying off its special interests, hiring contractors that the politicians are personally invested in or related to leaders of. And so when Mr. Beast goes and does something like that, it really makes the likes of the U.N. or the globalists or the deep state angry because not only is he a competitor to them. But he goes to show how incompetent they are at actually solving these problems. While Bill Gates is max vaccinating entire populations, entire continents, to no avail, we have individuals who are coming up like Mr. Beast and changing the world. And time and time again, people have been coming after Mr. Beast. It seems like every time he does something good, there's just a slew of trolls in the replies. And you can tell by watching five minutes of any interview with this guy that he's just a genuinely kind person. He's got a sense of humor. I think he's fairly apolitical. All he wants to do is have fun, work really hard, and make crazy content. I don't watch all of his content. I'm more interested in things like Joe Rogan and Alex Jones and influencers in the political space, but whenever I've watched a Mr. Beast video, it's been absolutely entertaining. I mean, this guy is totally a top talent in terms of figuring out what to make, what's going to make a video go viral, how to do thumbnails, how to do the titles of the videos, how to blow up. He has invested all the time and it's really a shame because he's accomplished such success, but it's all dependent on this YouTube platform. So the day may come when the likes of YouTube just decides to shut him down. And then what is he going to do? That was the beauty of the internet 10 years ago. The beauty of the internet 10 years ago was that you could establish yourself a profile on these major platforms. You had basically free speech. Every platform basically had the same policies that Twitter has now. All Twitter is today is just social media in general 10 years ago. And you could speak your mind and you could share ideas and you could go down rabbit holes and you didn't have to worry about being deplatformed because of your political persuasion or because Joe Biden decides to call you a domestic terrorist or because the CIA or the FBI is secretly entrenching itself in the organization that you're publishing on. And the algorithms were honest. Do you remember do you guys remember how good the YouTube recommendations used to be? That was how I discovered who Alex Jones was. I was sitting at my student desk in like 2012, and the Bohemian Grove video was recommended to me as the next video on my laptop, and that's how I figured out what InfoWars was, it's ironic that InfoWars was deplatformed by YouTube, but YouTube is the reason that one of the hosts today, your host today, even knew, knows what InfoWars is. And I just remember how exciting it was. Things were blowing up so fast, things were growing so fast. It was like everything was just happening, man. The internet was happening. Tron had been activated, the grid was live. And then something switched. I think it was around 2016. I attribute it to the Cambridge Analytica scandal. And all of the big tech companies got very scared and very politicized simultaneously. They were afraid of the federal government, they were afraid of increased regulation. But they were simultaneously brainwashed by this Marxist critical theory, diversity, equity, inclusion crap. And they started regulating the content. And since then, these platforms have continued to make a tremendous amount of money, but they are markedly less fun and less interesting than they used to be. I used to post on Facebook three or four times a day. I don't think I've looked at my personal Facebook profile in nine months. Why would I? And if they continue to do this, the people are going to become increasingly disenfranchised with these platforms, just like they have become increasingly disenfranchised with both political parties. When you establish yourself as a platform, as an avenue that resonates with the wants, needs, and interests of an entire people, and then you betray that trust and actually move backward in progress toward that trust, toward that goal, everyone just disowns you. That debate last night was like watching a group of people competing to make the best disco song. It's like, yeah, it'd be great to hear the best disco song of all time, but disco's dead. Cable news is dead. YouTube is dying. Facebook's dead. They're all going to die if they censor because people are only interested in that, which is interesting, folks. That's why we love you here at Infowars.com. Visit Infowarsstore.com. Take advantage of our awesome deals today and be the reason we're still on the air.
1: Bodies is back. System and so much more. Regular turmeric from the store contains about 1 to 5% of the active ingredient curcuminoids, but our super powerful extract using bodies contains over 95% of the active ingredients in turmeric. No other product can compare with this curcuminoid delivery system. So if you want to put the true power of turmeric to the test, then look no further. Grab yourself a bottle today for 25% off at InfoWarsStore.com and put your body at ease infowars.com
4: is tomorrow's news today
5: dive deep into the stories the mainstream media won't touch this is the American Journal
6: welcome
3: back to the American Journal ladies and gentlemen thank you Sean it's an honor and pleasure to be with you again this morning so much to talk about Your phone's default and not easy to change. Google spent $26 billion to hide this phone setting from you. This report from the Washington post. There's a setting on your phone and web browser that Google is desperate to keep you from discovering how desperate. Well, in 2021 alone, Google paid Apple, Samsung and others, $26.3 billion to keep it buried. Tech is not your friend. Obviously, this setting affects who gets to track your location and watch what you look up online. It affects the usefulness of the information you see and how much of your screen is taken up by ads. Talking about your search engine, of course. What pops up? the answers when you type into the search bar. Google pays the makers of phones, laptops, and browsers to be your default and to stop them from even presenting you other options during setup. It's billions of dollars for a favor. And I don't blame Apple for doing this because Apple obviously wants to make as much money as possible. And if Google's willing to pay them $26.3 billion to make Google the default search engine, then that's fine. But it goes to show how manipulative and subtle the manipulation can be In terms of determining what information you're exposed to, what information you consume. We look at countries like China and North Korea and we see how bad censorship can really get when entire websites just aren't accessible in a nation. When you can't consume the entertainment or the media that you want, even if you're looking for it. I had to read a book in college called Persepolis, which is about the Iranian revolution. And there's a story, and it's a true story, of the young gal sneaking, of all things, Michael Jackson records because they were illegal at the time of the revolution. But censorship has gotten so much more sophisticated than simply making a list of things that you can't consume. Now it has gotten to a place where these algorithms are designed in such a way that the results you see – are meant to steer the psychology of an entire population into a specific direction. Because the political class doesn't think of people as individuals. It thinks of people as groups. This one of the manifestations of this identity politics philosophy. They don't think of you as Chase Geyser. They think of me as white male. The two groups that I'm allegedly a part of, right? And when you think about people outside of the scope of individuals, you start thinking about the collective consciousness. So what our politicians are interested in is what the country is thinking, not what individuals think. And that's the same way it works with major marketing platforms or campaigns. They have to think about what the market is going to do, not what individuals necessarily are going to do. After all, an individual is not composed of a group, but all groups are composed of individuals. That's why you don't get any rights by joining a group because a group has no rights. Only individuals have rights. There's no such thing as gay rights or religious rights or Christian rights. There's only individual freedoms and rights. It's a sort of a manipulation or a misunderstanding of the language to think of a group as something that inherently has rights when we know that our rights are given to us inalienable by God at birth or conception. And so since they're thinking about us in terms of this collective unconscious or this collective consciousness, this zeitgeist, what they do is focus less on actually winning policy debates or arguments about any given issue They're less interested in making points that change minds or convincing individuals to believe one thing or another. What they're more interested in is pushing the ship subtly in a direction that they want to go and letting the momentum of the force that is consciousness move us to the desired destination. It's like golf a slight difference at the tee could mean yards of difference where the ball lands. And that's what they do. And that's why these algorithms are so important because the algorithms don't have to simply convince us of what they want us to believe. They don't have to simply convince us that guns are dangerous or that abortion is a women's health right issue or that Donald Trump is a criminal and should be in prison. They don't have to win us on any issue with these algorithms. What they have to do is subtly, like through subliminal marketing – push us in a direction as a collective consciousness that is conducive to leftism and globalism. And so what inevitably happens is we arrive in a place where suddenly everybody believes the wrong thing, thinks the wrong thing, but not even thinking the wrong thing, thinking the wrong way, the wrong method of actual thought. Because these algorithms have pushed us and constantly reinforced in ever so subtle a way the narratives, philosophy, and zeitgeist that these algorithms have put in place for us. So when we have major banks saying they're not going to finance major corporations unless they meet ESG requirements or DEI requirements, unless they meet certain environmental sustainability and governance rules or diversity, equity, and inclusion rules, they start to implement policies at their companies which – Seem like a small difference at the T, but by the time they get down range, have had a tremendous impact. And I believe that every business has a right to do whatever it wants with its algorithm. If it wants to do that, fine. But the problem is, we're not talking about a public versus private sector difference anymore. What we're seeing is a conglomeration, a partnership between the government and these big tech companies. The government can come out all day and say that it doesn't censor freedom of speech because it doesn't prosecute anyone for what they say, unless, of course, their Owen Schroyer. They can say all day that the government isn't violating freedom of speech. But when the FBI and the CIA are having weekly or monthly meetings with YouTube, Facebook, Google, Instagram, TikTok about censorship and about concerns over broad stroke issues like anti-Semitism on the platform. What does that even mean? Like Elon Musk famously, a number of times, has responded, what anti-Semitism? Or when he's criticized for an increase in hate speech on the platform, he says, what hate speech? They can't answer anything specific because they haven't been convinced in a specific way. They've just been pushed in a direction by this force on the collective unconscious. And so we have the merging, the symbiosis of public and private interests in such a way that the government is able to launder all of its violations of our human rights, of our American rights, through the policies of these corporations. Just like Hunter Biden launders money through Ukraine, just like our politicians launder tax dollars through government contractors, Just like the military-industrial complex has made billions upon billions of dollars off of wars never meant to be won but just meant to be waged. They can launder the violation of our rights as well through these entities. So the government can't stop InfoWars from being on air. But they can certainly push YouTube. Or the ADL can threaten to slander YouTube. And get anyone silenced. Or cause 90% of advertisers to abandon advertising on Twitter and fear. Because if you don't play for their team, they don't want you to be eligible to play at all. They don't want you in the game if you're the opponent. They don't even want to win the game. They just want to force you to be disqualified. And that's how they do it. They do it in a subtle way over a long period of time in a cloudy, secretive Indirect manipulative fashion. And the only thing you can really do about it is just be aware of it. I guess once you're aware of it, then it doesn't impact you as much. It reminds me of A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe about the famous mathematician John Nash, who was famous for game theory. When he realized that he was schizophrenic, he was able to ignore the lie of the hallucinations. When he realized that several people who had been a part of his life his entire life or his entire adulthood, weren't real people, he was able to cope with the symptoms. So when you realize that you're constantly being lied to, that the person you're speaking with or the idea that you're being faced with or the narrative that is being pushed on you is just a phantom, it's not really your college roommate, it's not really your niece who never gets older even though decades have gone by, then you can ignore it and cope with it. And that's why it's more important than ever to go to Infowarsstore.com got some awesome deals right now with Ultra 12, which is 40% off at InfoWars store. After being sold out for months, Ultra 12 is back in stock and being made available at an unprecedented discount of 40% off.
4: Get it today. I highly recommend it and stick with us, folks. More on the other side. Finally, after close to a year, in early November, where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic You take it out of the tongue so you get better absorption into the body through your blood vessels. And what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean, energy, focus, immune system, everything. And it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarStore.com, or you can call toll free and order it as well. Triple Eight 3139 And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWar as well. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe. had a plan for you who has a destiny for you that's why the system hates you and fears you that's why they hate me it's because the spirit i carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love my friends the enemy's coming after me not because i'm a loser but because i'm a winner they're coming after you not because you're a bad person because you're a good person because you love god and god loves you And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you to always remember that I appreciate you and I thank you because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting.
1: You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
3: american journal folks i am chase geyser your host today that first hour just blew by we're going to be covering more news in the next hour and then we'll be taking calls for the third hour today power grid again on the brink heading into winter regulator warns this is from the washington post again nation at risk of a winter blackouts as power grid remains under strain and i think it's funny that we see from the left in this narrative a constant critic criticism of traditional power infrastructure in the country they're constantly coming at us about how dangerous fossil fuels are about how polluting they are about how non-helpful they are how inefficient they are they're constantly advocating for green energy and then whenever any sort of traditional source of energy fails like in texas a couple of years ago they taunt our policies oh texas you have an independent grid How's that working out for you? You weren't able to import any energy, despite the fact that Texas requested permission from the EPA to increase its fossil fuel consumption in order to combat the outage that we had in the big freeze, and we were denied permission to burn more coal in order to produce energy to compensate for the failures of things like green energy and wind turbines, and I think 38 people died. I could be wrong about that. I'm just pulling from memory from a couple years ago, but I think 38 people died as a result of freezing to death in their powerless trailers or homes because of these green energy initiatives, because of the likes of the EPA coming out and saying, sorry, we're too concerned about the environment, so a couple of your citizens are just going to have to freeze to death. And then they talk about the weaknesses of the power grid as if we have to do things... Like ramp up green energy when the real threat to the power grid is World War III. Because after all, we know that if there's an EMP attack on this country resulting in a power outage, hundreds of thousands of people would die instantly. Because of things like planes falling out of the sky, planes dependent on software and the electronics, since nothing is purely mechanical anymore. And over nine months, estimates show that as many as 90% of people in the United States of America would die if there wasn't power in this country either from exposure or looting or murder or illness. And so you can talk all day about how great wind turbines are. You can talk all day about how green energy is going to save humanity. But when push comes to shove, green energy is way more expensive, way less efficient. And even though it is solving a problem of pollution over time, which I care about the problem of pollution, I think we should be good stewards of this planet. It is based on a drastic exaggeration of the threat and really for the purpose of simply lining the pockets of our political class who invest in these startups and spend our tax dollars on them. Tax dollars which come back to them in the form of returns on their investments. So they can try to hype us up at the Washington Post about blackouts this winter and the demands on our system and our grid being weak, but the real vulnerability of our grid is that our political class has sold out all of our interests to interests of nations overseas, and every single enemy that we have created has been because of the sanctioning that we've done, the whipping that we've done with our U.S. global reserve currency to such an extent that our banking systems were hacked last week. No one's talking about that. Why is it, do you think, that Thousands upon thousands of people last week in the United States of America did not receive their direct deposit payroll. And no business is really talking about it other than saying we're working on it, we're having technical issues. It impacted several banks on the same day, different banks, because the entire infrastructure of our banking system was brought under a cyber attack. It was either China or Iran Just giving us a nod in the context of this conflict in Israel that, hey, we can shut down your system pretty quick and there's nothing you can do about it but scramble. They did the same thing in Maui when back in February, they used their laser technology not to start a fire, but to hack a facility on the island causing 700 gallons of diesel fuel to leak all over the island. Diesel fuel, which, by the way, weeks before the major fires broke out on Maui, had yet to be cleaned up properly. And I'm not saying that was the cause of the fire or the start of the fire. It certainly didn't help. But they do little things like that. We shoot down a balloon, they spill 700 gallons of oil. We do X, they steal an F-35. I don't believe for a minute that that F-35 crashed. And if it did crash, it definitely didn't crash because of weather, like they said. All the footage that we saw of that F-35, that crash site, none of it showed... Any parts of an F-35, and I know it's a classified piece of machinery, but we've had reports going back to as early as, like, 2011 talking about the security vulnerabilities of the F-35, talking about how China had hacked all the designs and plans for the F-35. We know that it's the only airplane that can actually do an automated ejection without the pilot having to do something based on whether or not the computer system meets certain parameters. If it notices that it's going to crash and the pilot is unconscious... It'll just eject them. So the Chinese figured out how to hack the F-35. They forced ejected our pilot. They stole the plane, which is why the government asked us to look for it for 24 hours when they didn't know where it was. And then they were so embarrassed when they finally discovered what happened that they faked a crash in order to make it seem like just an accident. These are the sorts of things that happen when there is a war going on underground. One of my favorite movies is Constantine. I love the way that it shows the war between good and evil waging in sort of this alternative universe. So we have the world that we live in. We walk around on the earth. We interact with one another. And in this sort of phantom upside down world, there's a constant war going on with angels and demons constantly in combat. And we see the same thing happening right now with the entire world. World War III is waging right before our eyes. It's just not waging in the same way that world wars or wars in general have been fought throughout history. And throughout history, you knew whether or not you were at war because you were going to go fight or someone you loved was going to go fight and people were going to die and land was going to be occupied. And people were actually going to come uninvited and take whatever they could for themselves. But now the way war is waged is subtle. We have diplomatic relations. We have statements coming out from different nations. Meanwhile, suddenly this banking system shuts down and nobody gets paid for three days. Meanwhile, suddenly an F-35 disappears. Meanwhile, suddenly there's some hostages in Gaza that happen to be American Meanwhile, Ottawa is in prison in North Korea. This is how war is waged. The political class on both sides on all sides of any conflict has figured out a way to make isolated incidents not come off as connected to the general populace. And it goes back to what we were saying in the last segment. They just have to push the way we think in a certain direction. They don't have to convince us on any specific issue in order to achieve the outcome they desire, which is complete psychological control of the entire populace so that the political class can continue to line its pockets with our dollars without complaint. It can continue to enslave us by forcing us to work ungodly amounts of hours at jobs we don't like so that we can pay 20 percent, 30 percent or up to 40 percent of our income to the government so that it can fund itself all while the likes of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden cover up human trafficking and pedophilia to their heart's content. We have to wake up, folks, and realize that the only way that we're going to stop this is if, we, is if we start playing the game like they play the game. The only way that we're going to win elections is if we start getting votes the way they get votes. The only way that we're going to change the hearts and minds of the people is if we start bullying the political process Like the left has. If they want to come out and falsely accuse everybody on the right of sexual assault. You can throw a rock and hit a white guy. Especially a white conservative guy who's been accused of sexual assault. Then fine. We're going to come after them too. If they want to destroy the nuclear family, fine. There will be a reckoning. I guess the best way to do it is just to refuse to live according to the terms that they're trying to get you to agree to. If you don't consent to the life that they want you to live, if you don't consent to the compliance that they want you to manifest, then they can't win. Because after all, just like that Mr. Beast episode I was telling you about where the last person in the circle was allowed to walk away with the car, the only way to win is not to give up. Nobody's better at standing in a circle than anybody else, but the last person who gives up is the one who wins the car, right? Stick with us, folks. More on the other side. Coming into in the second hour, make sure you go to InfoWarsStore.com. We've got a great new deal for Ultra 12, which is back at 40% off. Ultra 12 from InfoWars Life took the familiar secret 12 formula and singled out one powerful ingredient. It's the most effective, expensive form of B12 available. Ultra 12 provides you with twice the B12. And because B12 is a necessary nutrient that isn't found in any vegetables, it can be difficult to attain. Instead of getting painful B12 injections or taking weaker formulas, you can support your energy production with the superior form of B12. Just a single ingredient allows this Ultra 12 to help you support healthy nerve and brain cells, help make DNA, help the body produce energy, help produce healthy blood cells, and is essential for proper nervous system function. Visit InfoWarsStore.com today.
4: You're going to want to pay attention to what I'm about to say in the next 60 seconds. Two new incredible products are now available exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. They are both clones of national best-selling products from a major pharmaceutical-slash-supplement maker that are listeners and patriots that are allowing us to private label it at a lower price you'll find in stores. It's Joint Relief Max and Nerve Renew. Both of these have known documented natural compounds to lower pain and to also make your nerves healthier, which is one of the major reasons nerves get irritated and are more inductive to pain. There's major research behind this all. You need to get Joint Relief Max from Info Wars MD and Nerve Renew from InfoWarsMD exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com right now. Introducing them both, 25% off. You'll find them exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com and they fund our operation.
3: American Journal folks, I am Chase Geyser, your host today. Great show today. More news to cover in the second hour. We'll be taking your calls on the third hour, so make sure you keep your phone nearby. I was looking through my Twitter feed during one of the breaks this morning, and I came across this video of Senator Kennedy, and the way that the video was framed was was as if he really showed Mayorkas what's up. But I want you to watch this video and see if you can hear or perceive the same problem that I have with what the senator said. Go ahead and run it.
6: Have you vetted all of the people who have all of the eight point six, eight point four million people who have come into our country illegally? Senator, you and I have spoken about this before. As you know, we screen and vet individuals. Have you invented? Only- have you vetted all of them? Senator, as you know, we screen and vet individuals whom we encounter. You haven't vetted all of them, have you? Senator, as I said, we screen and vet individuals whom we encounter. Here's what I think, Mr. Secretary. I think you're a smart guy. Now, there are only one or two things going on here. Either you're not qualified to manage a Costco food court, or you believe in open borders.
1: And I think it's the latter. Senator
6: Kennedy, your time has expired.
3: Either you're not qualified to manage a Costco food court or your policy is open borders. So I'm no fan of Majorcas, I hate the deep state. But when I look at Kennedy, I ask myself, which president is it who pardoned that Thanksgiving turkey when he is insulting people by attributing them to working class Americans? And I know it's not that big of a deal. I understand that he's just, you know, trying to be cheeky and come up with some sort of a viral moment. That's all these hearings are ever about. These hearings are just a way for politicians to get face time with the perceived opposition, so they can say something inflammatory. Gowdy was the best at this, so that those turn into clips for campaign ads later on down the road, or they blow up on social media. It's basically free advertising. It's the reason that the entire investigation into this impeachment inquiry for Trump was. Produced by a Hollywood-level production team and aired on live television. It's an excuse for publicity. But the problem here is, first of all, he assumes that if you're managing a Costco food court, it's like the easiest job ever and you can be an idiot and do it, which probably isn't even true. And the second thing is, what's wrong with being an hourly Costco worker? We have a country right now where middle-class Americans are struggling to make ends meet. People are working multiple jobs. Bankruptcies are up 20%. Mortgage rates are over 8%. People are trying to figure out how to make ends meet. They can't pay their mortgage. They can't save up for a down payment on a house. A dollar isn't worth anything. They're being taxed to hell. They're being lied to and about. The level of stress is insane in this country. We're being constantly manipulated with psychological warfare, the likes of which coming from the biggest, most powerful companies in the history of companies in the world – where Google is pushing us one direction, Facebook is censoring us here, Big Pharma is trying to get us to take these drugs, our therapists are convincing us that we're mentally ill when we're not, we're being pumped full of SSRIs, and Kennedy thinks that it's okay to just come after somebody for being too much like a Costco worker. When these are the people that are the bread and butter of America, these are the people that go and fight in the wars that we put boots on the ground for, These are the people that send their family off to experience the greatest trauma you can experience, which is the mass violence of any conflict. And I understand he's just trying to be cute and he probably didn't mean it this way. But why is it that the default of our political class is to think so little of the American people that they would shame each other by accusing them of having American jobs? Just my two cents. And I don't know if you guys picked up on it when we take calls in the next hour. Maybe you can say what you think about that. But our politicians, they need a wake up call. I think what we need to do when, when our politicians, every time they fail to keep a campaign promise, they should have to do a real blue collar job for like eight weeks. Their community service should have to be to know what it's like for two months to live as an average American. Because maybe then they would know who they were representing. Maybe then they would consider something other than their special interests when they get into office, other than how they can go viral from a boring C-SPAN clip, other than how they can ask cheap shot questions to evil people in order to make them look dumber than they actually are. I don't know. Stick with us, folks. More on the other side.
1: Chase Geyser on the American Journal.
3: Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host today. It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you. I've really enjoyed our time together, although it is because of unfortunate circumstances. After all, the reason I am on the air is because Owen Schroer has been imprisoned. We all anxiously await his return to the network. In the meantime, I will be hosting the show through Christmas, and Harrison can be found hosting the war room for owen i do think though that moving forward not tomorrow but starting next week harrison is going to be covering the friday show and i'm going to be doing the war room just so we can come back and touch base with the audience you guys here he loves you guys and misses you guys so much i know he loves the crew here as i do very much as well so we're going to do a little bit of mix and match moving forward just to keep everybody in touch with those whom they love and adore most the house oversight committee has issued a subpoena for hunter and <laughs> hunter james biden The House Oversight and Accountability Committee on Wednesday issued subpoenas to several members of U.S. President Joe Biden's family, including his brother James and first son Hunter Biden, amid its investigation into potentially illicit financial transactions. Footage of Representative James Comer signing the subpoenas spread on social media, signaling the Oversight Committee is ready for Biden crime family members to give taped interviews regarding payments that pass through various channels and possible efforts to obfuscate the fact they came from foreign sources. It doesn't matter that we know what's true. I mean, it does to a certain extent, but it doesn't matter to the extent that it should matter. When people realize what is true, when people know the truth, that should be enough to manifest a just change in a corrupt system. It should be enough when you realize that a lie has been told to you that you can overcome the power of the lie. But we have somehow got ourselves in this position as a nation, as a culture, as a society where even when we realize that we're being lied to, it doesn't actually disarm the power or the purpose of the lie. We've known for years that Hunter Biden was corrupt. We've known for years that Joe Biden used his power as vice president to put Hunter Biden in key positions where he could invest in key businesses and organizations in order to reap the rewards of Biden's influence as vice president of the United States in getting contracts to these businesses. When tragedies like tsunamis or earthquakes or floods happened, there's Joe Biden right there, ready to pay the bill with your money while he invests in the contractor hired to solve the problem. Just like Dick Cheney. They criticized Dick Cheney for disproportionately giving his corporate buddies military contracts, which he did. And they came after him so hard for that as indicating that it was corrupt. And it was. But our politicians do the same exact thing today. They just do it in a different form. They just get better at hiding in the shower. So when we know that they're corrupt, when we know what they're doing, when we can specifically cite the text messages or the emails or the bank statements... When Hunter Biden could legally commit more crimes than anyone I've ever met combined, document all those crimes via text, imagery, and video, and then publish them on the internet for the whole world to access, yet still not be in prison, that means that knowing the truth just isn't enough anymore, it's... A matter of who actually acknowledges the truth that's a matter. It only matters if the establishment power, if the political class acknowledges the truth. That's the only way that change happens. Not when the people are enlightened, but when the leadership is pressured so much that it must admit the ills of its ways and make a correction. The only way we see change, unfortunately is when our political class admits something wrong. So I'm encouraged to see these subpoenas happening, to see these investigations happening, but I'm also discouraged by it because why do you need to do an investigation when the evidence is already there? Why did it take you three or four years to figure it out? Why did it take you 10 years to figure it out? Because there's no way that the intelligence community didn't know that Joe Biden was doing this stuff when he was vice president. You don't think that our intelligence community spies on the presidents and vice presidents of the United States? You don't think they have spied on them since McCarthyism era of the 50s? You better believe that the intelligence community knew, knew about all this. And frankly, my theory on the whole matter is that Joe Biden didn't even want to run for president. The intelligence community came to him and blackmailed him, said, hey, we have dirt on everything wrong you have ever done, and you're going to run for president and you're going to do what we say. Otherwise, we're going to put you in prison or we're at least going to put your son in prison forever. And he decided to run so that he has the power to pardon his son when the time comes. They pressured him into doing it. I don't even think he wanted to do it. I think he knew he was sick. He knew that he was ailing. The intelligence community wanted a malleable president in, and that's what they got. And that's why we're seeing all the things that our intelligence community has been notorious for loving, like world war, disaster, and crises worldwide, manifest under this administration. It's not just because Joe Biden is incompetent. It's because the intelligence community is so competent that they're actually getting done exactly what they want done. When I first saw that we left all of those weapons behind in Afghanistan, I couldn't believe the level of incompetence. I couldn't believe how pathetic and terrible the Biden administration was. And then I realized after this attack on Israel on October 7th, that, oh my God, the reason we left all those munitions and small arms and all that equipment behind in Afghanistan was because we knew that Iran would sweep it up And either sell it or provide it to Hamas in order to provoke an attack on Israel that would justify our presence in the region again. They left it behind on purpose, like, hey, you know, I hope nobody uses this for anything bad. It was intentional. It doesn't make any sense that we would leave all that stuff behind just six months before there would be a major conflict in Ukraine where we would have to ship all the same stuff to Ukraine. It would have been much easier just to ship it from Afghanistan to Ukraine if we wanted to help Ukraine so much. But they wanted Hamas to have it because a conflict in Israel is an excuse to war. Bibi Netanyahu announced on September 10th, I believe, at the G20 summit. The new IMEC plan, the new trade plan. We were talking about it with George Papadopoulos yesterday. The only competitor to China's belt in road initiative. It was a major trade pipeline designed to go straight through Israel from India to Europe for supplies, for energy, for major trade in the region for the first time ever. And it would cripple the monopoly on trade that China has was meaning to establish with the Belt and Road Initiative. So when you think about the dollar as the global reserve currency, when you think about Russia, Iran, and China seeking any means necessary to supplant the dollar's power as the global reserve currency, because that is the weapon by which we sanction all of our allies and enemies, then you realize that the way China was going to replace the dollar as a reserve currency, was by establish- establishing such trade in the region with their Belt and Road Initiative that they would have leverage over every nation. Oh, you want to do this? Okay, well, we're going to cut off your trade. Every nation was going to be so dependent on the Chinese trade pipeline that it would do whatever China's bidding was and our economy would shrink Well, theirs would be such that they could replace the dollar so that we would have no sanction leverage, no financial leverage, no economic leverage in the region to whip everybody into shape. And then we come out on the 10th of September and announce this alternative pipeline, this alternative trade corridor to China that would totally basically neuter their grand strategy to change the global political and economic dynamic of the 21st century. In less than a month later, suddenly Hamas attacks Israel with American weapons left behind in Afghanistan, funded by Iran and sponsored by China. This conflict is not about whose land is whose. It's not about whether the Palestinians or the Israelis were in Israel first. It's not about Judaism versus Islam. It's not about Christianity versus Islam. It might be for the boots on the ground. It might be for the terrorists abducting and raping people. They might feel that way. But the powers that be that play them, that manipulate them, that treat them as pawns on this great chessboard, only care about the trade pipeline. Because if it is established in the region, something only possible If the Palestinians are totally neutralized, then America would remain the superpower throughout the 21st century, something they find very difficult to stomach in China and Iran and elsewhere because of the way that we've treated them and bullied them. So interesting stuff going on. We'll get more into it in the next segment. Make sure you visit InfowarsStore.com. Check out the 40% off deal on Ultra 12. It's back. Experience the power of B12. B12 is notoriously one of the best and most important nutrients on the market. And ours is the best way to consume it. So check it out and be the reason we are still on the air.
4: We have not had this many of our best selling products back in stock in years because of supply chain breakdowns and all the rest of the stuff that's gone on. And these are game-changing products. It's like our information's game-changing. These products are incredible. And I'm personally glad that these are now back in stock. All three of the InfoWars Platinum flagship products that have been sold out for months are now back in stock, but a very limited run because we only had a budget to get three or 4,000 bottles of each one of these. I think we got... Four thousand bottles of the HGH Max Boost that people love so much. We've got about four thousand bottles of 1776 Testosterone Boost that just came in, and we've got about three thousand bottles of Pain MD, incredible natural pain reliever situation. All three of these are back in stock, and they're incredible, and they fund our operation at InfowarStore.com.
2: In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the US government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com.
1: You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video.
3: Folks, I am Chase Geyser. We're gonna be getting into a little more about the debate this segment, I think. Eventually I'm gonna to want to play clip two. As a Republican debate manifests, Haley calling Ramaswamy scum. And a dust up over TikTok. Former UN ambassador Nikki Haley and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy swung at each other during the third Republican primary presidential debate over their use of TikTok, with Haley calling her opponent scum. Haley and Ramaswamy appeared at the third Republican debate on Wednesday, of course, where the moderators asked each candidate whether they would ban TikTok, the China-owned social media platform popular among young people. Haley and other candidates had spoken out in support of a ban. Wow, so much for the First Amendment, freedom of speech. I I don't like that the Chinese runs TikTok. I don't like that it manipulates our children. But I am not responsible for how other people raise their children. I'll just keep my kid off of TikTok. You mean that no one can post on this platform just because it's CCP-sponsored? Well, I'll tell you what. Every other major corporation in this country is CCP-sponsored. Our president's entire family is CCP-sponsored, constantly doing deals with China. So you want to ban anything, ban the president. Let's go ahead and run clip two of the spat.
6: The reason Nikki Haley left after less than two years and apparently developed extraordinarily profound foreign policy experience in those one and a half years where she raised her hand elegantly at the UN is because she had all kinds of opportunities to enrich herself. And that's what she told president Trump is the reason she was leaving. She wanted to join what she called the private sector and boy, did she join the private sector? I mean, she thrived within it here from Forbes In August of this year, how Nikki Haley built an $8 million fortune and helped bail out her parents. Quote, Haley stunned Washington by resigning her role in the Trump administration in 2018, less than two years after taking office. A spokesperson for Haley claims that the family financial troubles had, quote, no bearing whatsoever on Ambassador Haley's decision to leave her position. So the Forbes article prior to this paragraph detailed all the debt. In which Nikki Haley and her family had long wallowed, which is not at all a mark against her. That is very common for Americans. She was middle class, she was in a lot of debt, she had no real personal wealth. And she recognized that once you're something like the UN ambassador, there's tons of people waiting to hand money to you, and she wanted to go and collect those checks, and that's what she did. She points to a section of Haley's resignation letter in which she expressed support for, quote, rotation in office. Okay, so that wasn't her motive, the fact that there were millions of dollars waiting for her from the military industrial complex and from neoconservative think tanks. But whether that was her motive or not, she certainly was eager and efficient about sweeping up those millions of dollars, quote. But the same letter also suggested that Haley may have had money-making ventures on her mind. Oh, you don't say, quote. As a businessman, she wrote to Donald Trump, I expect you will appreciate my sense that returning from government to the private sector is not a step down, but a step up. If you measure somebody's character by net worth, Nikki Haley definitely took a step up when she left the Trump administration for the, quote, private sector, The article continues, quote, Indeed, since then, Haley's net worth has ballooned from less than a million dollars to an estimated eight million. How did she make so much money in so little time? By following a tried and true playbook for politicians looking to cash in on their fame. Speeches to companies like Barclays and organizations such as the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs provided more money in a day than Haley had previously earned in a year. It's not clear how many talks she gave from 2019 to 2021, but Haley hauled in $2.3 million from just 11 events in 2022. She became a director of Boeing in 2019, then stepped down the next year collecting over $300,000 in cash and stock. So when Vivek said to her, congratulations on your future as a member of the board of directors of Boeing, he was not really predicting the future, but just describing the past Just like Lloyd Austin came right from the board of directors of Raytheon to run the Defense Department, Nikki Haley left the Trump administration to go sit on the board of Boeing and now is using her campaign to support policies of endless war and cutting back entitlement programs for Americans that many Americans subsist on in order to feed Boeing and the other companies that made her rich. Isn't that so inspiring? Yet, she says to Vivek,
3: you're just scum. You're just scum. Haley bodies Ramaswamy, warns him to leave my daughter out of your voice. Things got very personal during Wednesday's GOP debate, and we'll show some more clips of Ramaswamy later on in the show. The debate on NBC when candidate Vivek Ramaswamy took a swipe at former ambassador Nikki Haley, which earned Ramaswamy booze from the crowd. The topic was TikTok, and moderator Hugh Hewitt asked Ramaswamy about whether or not the ban would, would manifest. And he turned to Haley while avoiding Hewitt's question to remind her that her own daughter was on TikTok. So you might want to take care of your own family first, basically is what he said. So why would she have her own daughter allowed to use TikTok if she advocated a ban? The implication, of course, being that she's only saying that she advocates a ban because she is selling out to special interests or speaking to what she believes will resonate with the audience, the voters, despite the fact that she doesn't actually agree with it. And then she sort of falsely accuses Ramaswamy of getting her family involved in the debate in an unclassy way, but he wasn't really attacking her daughter. He wasn't really attacking even the fact that she's a mother, how she raises her daughter. He was just simply pointing out the hypocrisy of someone advocating to ban something that they themselves allow their family to use or do, which is basically the crux of the political class rules for thee and not for me. Right? They're constantly advocating for censorship while they say whatever they want. They're constantly calling you a domestic terrorist while they commit domestic terror. They're constantly telling you to be peaceful or talking about peaceful protests while they wage war internationally and catalyze violence domestically. I can't tell you how many articles I get on this desk every day from the crew that are random acts of violence or acts of violence related to protests. How many times people get shot, whether they're laying in the middle of the road. As a protester and some guy gets out and shoots them or whether it's increased crime in Chicago or whether it's people coming home and being shot as they enter their own home or whether it's people at protests getting smashed in the face, falling on their heads and dying. They constantly catalyze in an environment where violence is perpetual and tension is ever heightened because when you are in a state of fear, you are malleable. And when there is conflict, there is an opportunity because our politicians constantly come to us with solutions to problems that they create. And if there aren't any problems, well, then they're out of business, aren't they? That's why there's never going to be a cure for cancer. You think Biden established a board to cure cancer because he actually wants to cure it? Or was it because the pharmaceutical companies aren't making nearly as much money as they were making during the pandemic, so they asked him to do something to replace the revenue so he established a cancer research board so he can fund big pharma millions upon millions of tax dollars to replace the money they're losing from people who are no longer getting vaccines? After all, who would get a vaccine when you hear reports like this from Infowars that kids as young as six months got double dose of Moderna's COVID vaccine, the FDA admits? When you have a situation where these vaccines are only approved and considered safe for people over the age of 12 and the White House has to come in and issue an executive emergency order that the vaccines can be administered to people at least six months of age, and then when they give them to these young kids, they give them double the dose on accident, they then have to admit it, but nobody's ever held accountable. Nobody gets sued. Rules for thee and not for me. More on the other side. Stick with us, folks.
4: Finally, after close to a year, in early November, where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic. You take it out of the tongue, so you get better absorption into the body through your blood vessels, and what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean, energy, focus, immune system, everything, and it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Or you can call toll-free and order it as well, 888 And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWars as well. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today.
1: You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video.
0: Today, as we tear down the walls of enmity, Israel can become a bridge of peace and prosperity between these continents peace between Israel and Saudi Arabia will truly create a new Middle East. To understand the magnitude of the transformation that we seek to advance, let me show you a map of the Middle East in 1948, the year Israel was established. Here is Israel. In 1948, it's a tiny country, isolated, surrounded by a hostile Arab world. In our first seven years, we made peace with Egypt and Jordan. And then in 2020, we made the Abraham Accords peace with another four Arab states. Now look at what happens when we make peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel. The whole Middle East changes. We tear down the walls of enmity. We bring the possibility of prosperity and peace to this entire region. But we do something else. You know, uh, a few years ago, I stood here with a red marker to show the, the curse, a great curse, the curse of a nuclear Iran. But today, today I bring this marker to show a great blessing, the blessing of a new Middle East between Israel, Saudi Arabia, and our other neighbors. We will not only bring down barriers between Israel and our neighbors, we'll build a new corridor of peace and prosperity that connects Asia through the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Israel, to Europe. This is an extraordinary change, a monumental change. Another pivot of history.
3: Hamas attacks Israel, justifying the eradication of the region. Because keep in mind, folks, in order to get the likes of Saudi Arabia on board, in order to get these international interests on board with a trade corridor like that, you have to make sure that every node of the trade corridor is going to work. And Israel, as we are well aware, has had conflicts with the Palestinians since 1948. There's perpetual violence. One is constantly bombing the other. It seems like every few years we see videos of the Iron Dome in operation. So in order to justify investing the billions upon billions of dollars establishing such a corridor to compete with China, to subvert Chinese efforts to replace the dollar with the yuan. the threat of the Palestinians needed to be neutralized because they can't get something like that done. If their ports in Haifa, Israel are going to be constantly under attack by rockets or assailants or terrorists. And the problem is you can't just cure a region of terrorism, especially one where it is so prevalent. So, Israel and the United States knew that if they want to maintain their power as a superpower through the 21st century, instead of having that power dynamic switch to a Chinese superpower in control, they needed to have a pretext, an excuse to solve the Palestinian problem. So what happens? The United States leaves weapons and munitions behind in Afghanistan, knowing they'll wind up in the hands of, of terrorists in Gaza. It allows Hamas to attack Israel on October 7th, withholding a response for hours, despite how tiny the nation is, as Bibi said in that UN video, in order to provoke such international outrage that no response from Israel would seem too disproportionate. Of course, they've struggled managing that narrative because Twitter is a free speech platform. It is the leaky boat, so to speak, that has allowed the atrocities of Israel to to be shown on air. And by the way, I'm no apologist for Hamas. I, I absolutely vehemently oppose Hamas. But they're doing this on purpose, folks, because in order to make this corridor possible, they can't have the security vulnerability in Israel at all. And they know the only solution to the problem is to either eradicate all of the Palestinians or get them to move, and that's why instead of going in and targeting key leaders of Hamas in response to this attack on the Israelis on October 7th, they're literally just leveling the entire region because they want to make it uninhabitable so they can then annex it, occupy it and ensure that the port they're going to establish for this corridor in Israel is a investment that attracts the confidence of the international partners involved. So if Saudi Arabia is going to invest in something like this, if they're going to have an alternative to what China has been establishing with the Belt and Road Initiative, then they needed to eradicate Gaza. They've been planning this annexation of Gaza for years. It's why we left everything behind. And it's all about maintaining U.S. supremacy in the international economic space with the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency. We know that OPEC is vulnerable to shifting the way that it exchanges or trades oil away from the dollar. We know that none of the nations in OPEC are particularly friendly to the United States because we've sanctioned them so much and bullied them so much with our financial warfare. And we know that if the world does genuinely move away from a fossil fuel Economy to some sort of green energy technology that's yet to be developed and may be developed, then we're going to have to come up with something to replace the petrodollar. And the only thing that's feasible is if we have some sort of a monopoly on trade in the region, which can be established through a corridor like this. Because if you have to trade through us, then our currency is safe, or at least relatively safe. So this conflict is not at all about a religious dispute or whose land was whose. We know the government doesn't care whose land was whose. I mean, if we're going to argue about whose land was whose first, then we should have been advocating that Russia had a right to Ukraine, right? If we're going to talk about whose land was whose first, then we should be advocating that Mexico annex Texas or California or that the Native Americans just get the entire country back and we all go back to the various European countries that we came from. So it's not about some sort of principled private property rights approach. That's just the excuse. That's a narrative that our leaders tell us in order to justify the actions that they actually simply do for economic gain. And what's really troubling about it is that when I come from this perspective of, man, we shouldn't be involved in these wars. Like, why are we involved in a conflict over, over real estate in, in Israel? Why are we engaged in a religious war? Why are our politicians putting Israel first before america when you look at it from what the narrative says the conflict is about it's appalling that we're involved but then when you look at it from the perspective that oh my god if we don't get involved the u.s dollar won't be the global reserve currency and that would mean hyperinflation that would mean mass unemployment every time unemployment goes up one percent in this country 40,000 people die according to studies back from the Reagan administration so if unemployment jumps from 3% to 20%, or 23%, how many hundreds of thousands of people would die? So then our intelligence committee community, rather being the utilitarian Machiavellian entity that it is, says, all right, well, would we rather stomach the death of 4 million innocent people in Gaza, or tens of thousands of innocent people in Gaza, or would we rather stomach the death of hundreds of thousands of Americans due to economic crises and inevitable military conflict that would ensue if the U.S. wasn't the global reserve currency. Then you start to ask yourself, well, should we? should we get involved in Israel in order to protect the currency, the, the interests? My personal take on it is that there's no such thing as doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. Just because you would do something like that in an effort to protect the economic interests of the united states doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do evil for a greater good because those who compromise become compromised themselves we got in this position because we built our currency on a lie we got off of the gold standard and so now we constantly have to be at war in order to maintain our status to maintain the ponzi scheme
4: and it has to end folks stick with us more on the other side Please listen closely because this is life-changing, critical information. The globalists are bombarding us with toxic chemicals hitting us in the air, the water, the food, the 5G, the poison shots, the shedding, the GMO, all of it. But God's given us compounds through nature that do incredible things in our body. And one of the most important, if not the most important, is vitamin B12. We've got the best organic vitamin B12 Ultra 12, a bestseller, finally back in stock after close to a year being sold out. You take it under the tongue for better absorption, and it's 40% off right now at Infowarstore.com. So go to Infowarstore.com right now, get your Ultra 12 and other great products, and for 40% off, some products are even more, and it keeps the show on the air. That is a 360 win. The only way you lose is not taking action. I thank you all for your support, being part of this fight. Now go to Infowarstore.com right now.
1: You're listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Standing in the rain.
4: A- Swami, let me turn to you. Uh, please make your case. Why would you uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president?
5: I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. It was a cancer to the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronald McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Because this media rigged the 2016 election, they rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story, Ramiswam, and they're going to rig this election. with time is have up. accountability. Let me turn That's to Governor Governor Christie. Country. Why you- I also want to close with one message to the Democrat Party. End this farce that Joe Biden is going to be your nominee. We know he's not even the President of the United States. He's a puppet for the managerial class. So have the guts to step up and be honest about who you're actually going to put up so we can have an honest debate. Biden should step aside end his candidacy now so we can see whether it's Newsom or Michelle Obama or whoever else. All right, Just tell us the truth so we can have an honest debate. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's not democratic. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic. More facts for you that you won't hear from the mainstream in either party or the mainstream media. The regions of Ukraine that are occupied by Russia right now in the Donbass, Luhansk, Donetsk, these are Russian speaking regions that have not even been part of Ukraine since 2014 that other people probably couldn't name those provinces for you. Those are the hard facts and so to frame this as some kind of battle between good versus evil. Don't buy it. And I'd like the likes of the, the sharpest of the war hawks on Ukraine, Nikki Haley, to have some accountability and answer. Do you want to use U.S. taxpayer money to fund the banning of Christians? That is actually what's happening. They're using the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. They have banned them. The Ukrainian parliament just did this last week, supported by our dollars. And I think you owe it to the American people, Nikki, to at least this Mr. one time at least, condemn, thank you. That's time at least Mr. To Ramaswamy, condemn Ramaswamy, their thank banning you. of Christians. Mr. Thank you. Of Mr. Of thank you. Mr. Ramaswamy,
6: thank you. We ask
3: the question. So we see Ramaswamy there coming after the Republican Party, and he's absolutely right. This whole idea that the political dynamic in this country is Democrats versus Republicans is really just a setup. It's a framed narrative in order to pit Americans against one another so that everybody has a team and that when one person's team wins, it's great and it's really for them. And then when they switch back and forth, there is this feeling among Americans that. There's some sort of representation happening that there's actually a winnable conflict at the electoral level. But really, the fact of the matter is it's not Americans as Democrats versus Americans as Republicans, but it's Americans as the American class versus the political class. The Republican Party is no less corrupt than the Democratic Party. We know that our politicians reap the rewards of how our government spends money. They just invest in a different portfolio. We know that while one party expands the welfare state and divides Americans against each other, the other party is constantly seeking holy war overseas. We know that while one party lies about presidential candidates and spies on them using FISA warrants, the other party lies about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq to justify perpetual war in order to prop up the military-industrial complex. So we have to stop thinking about whether we root for Democrats or whether we root for uh, Republicans. We have to think about... How can we actually support the American class, the working class, our people? How can we bring our politicians back to a place where there's more incentive for them to represent the interests of the American people than there is incentive for them to represent the interests of our international so-called allies? Why is it that it's a greater concern to our political class what's happening in Israel or what's happening in Ukraine or what's happening in China than it is a concern of what's happening in East Palestine here when a train derails or that Zombies walk around in the middle of the night in downtown San Francisco because of the fentanyl and opioid crises. Or that our veterans come back never the same if they don't come back maimed in other ways or in a casket from these conflicts, which are totally unnecessary. And when you ask anyone who supported these conflicts, you often find that they stumble to find a reasonable answer. They cite things like radical extremism or radical Islam as the issue. Is that really why? We were involved in Iraq or in Afghanistan despite the fact that the person responsible for 9-11 was killed in Pakistan? The reason we get involved in these conflicts is because one lie begets another lie and one injustice is met with a greater injustice and compensation. It's happened all throughout history and when we got off of the gold reserve, the gold standard as a currency, and established this fiat fractional reserve banking system where we constantly have to increase the amount of debt, where we constantly have to print money in, or in order to make this economy work, then we create a problem that becomes increasingly difficult for us to solve from a financial standpoint to the point where we have to do increasingly radical things in order to prop it up. It's not a coincidence that the last three, the only world wars, right? World War I, World War II, and then the one we're currently facing, have all occurred since the establishment of the Federal Reserve Bank the financial system is the reason is the, is the reason that we're getting into these conflicts it's the reason that countries go to war and it's the real incentive behind these conflicts regardless of what the narrative says i would even venture to say that it's been a long time since there's been a serious conflict if ever among a people over exclusively religious issues i know that there are is religious tension in the region i know that there is tension between the israelis and the palestinians on religious terms but really the tension is economic leaders don't typically do things for moral or principled reasons they do things because of incentives and pragmatism they often use morality or principles as an excuse to rile the masses rally the troops in support of their cause but when push comes to shove Leaders make decisions for the same reason that any human being makes decisions for their self-interest. It's very rare that you'll see a leader of a nation who got there by a devotion to any principle or religion or by a desire to serve man in the most altruistic way possible. These are things that people like to say, but when push comes to shove, the reason we do things is because of self-interest. And that's the reason that I'm a proponent of capitalism, because I believe that selfishness can be a harmful, evil thing when exercised at the expense of other people. But so far, capitalism has been the only system that has actually somewhat turned selfishness into something that can accomplish a greater good for other people. You don't think that there's greed in China or greed in Russia? The United States is somehow the only country that has greed as a basis of its culture every person is greedy to a certain extent no person is inherently moral or superior to another person but at least with capitalism when people are greedy and they want to make a lot of money they figure out things like the assembly line and suddenly everybody can afford a car or thanks to capitalism when people are greedy and they want to make as much money as possible they establish technologies and services and products that change the way life is lived At least somehow this system through the invisible hand has turned some of what is evil about mankind into a greater good to some extent. And I know that capitalism has caused all sorts of problems. But most of the criticisms of capitalism, especially in this country, are criticisms that fall on corporations or entities that have actually been sponsored by the government. So you can criticize capitalism as being responsible for big tech companies like Google having monopoly over information on the internet, but you're telling me that Google isn't sponsored by government? You're telling me that Google doesn't work extensively with the CCP to ensure that the CCP doesn't steal their private property, their intellectual property, and just replace them in China? You don't think that Google or Twitter before it was owned by Musk or Facebook or Instagram or any of these other Fortune 500 companies don't meet regularly with lobbyists in the government? They're symbiotic. The criticisms that people have for capitalism aren't for a laissez-faire capitalism, a pure private market. They're criticisms of crony capitalism. And all crony capitalism actually is is fascism when the government has so much influence over the private sector that it can determine how the private sector behaves in such a way that totally circumvents our constitutional rights. Stick with us, folks. More on the other side. We'll be taking your calls in the next hour. Make sure you visit Infowarsstore.com and be the reason we're still on the air.
4: The satanic new world order is betting against humanity. They're betting on our weakness. They believe they can destabilize civilization and bring us down into the ashes of history. But the trap they've laid for us will be their destruction, not ours. If we trust in God and if we are valiant and have courage to speak the truth and not comply and engage in civil disobedience and not join the masses, who have decided that they are the scum of the earth, who have decided that they will join with this soulless corporate system. As for InfoWars, we are going to steadfastly continue to fight in the information war with our weapon, the truth, against the enemies of humanity. And we put our faith, and we put our trust, and we put our destiny in the hands of God. Because it's been said a trillion times, if God be with us, who can be against us?